Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who has said, quote, maybe when I hit 50, I'll figure it out, get my shit put together in a nice clean house, end quote. But you know what? He's realized that it's just a pipe dream. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, I'm a year in and it still hasn't happened. There we go. So for this episode, we have a special guest. I just quoted some of his song. Not okay. Um, his most recent record is is called. Uh, uh, you're probably going to have to to pronounce it for me. Hologramma. No, that's that's right. Did I get it right? All right. So please welcome to the podcast, Chaz Cardigan. Hey, hi. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Yeah. We're we're excited for this. If this is if this is as fun as the time that we had with Jake Wesley Rogers, who is who referred us to you, mm. this is this is gonna be a blast. Jake is Jake's one of my favorite people in the world to hang out with. So I, I already know that was that was a blast. Yes. <laughs> it was. Though though I will say this, Wayne Wayne had took umbrage to the fact that Jake picked a very long um, <laughs> record. We're up all night. Yeah, Wayne gets super excited when our guests pick like you know these albums that only have like eight songs. He gets super giddy with that. So the fact that we had to talk about a record that was twenty tracks. He picked Tusk. Yeah, he picked, yeah, he picked Tusk. Oh, he he, he would he would pick Tusk. Yeah. So I'm I'm assuming you've hung out with him where you guys have listened to Tusk. Oh gosh, Jake Wesley Jake Wesley Rogers is maybe my best friend in the world that I've made uh, while I've been in Nashville for seven years. We 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 have a lot of witchy little Fleetwood Mac hangout time. <laughs> I, awesome. I can only ima- I can only imagine. All right, so he he gushed all over Stevie Nicks. So are you so who who are you? What, what what camp are you are you are you team stevie are you team Lindsay? i mean i'm team stevie i okay i like the magic of it all together but stevie nicks is just she's incredible yeah great storyteller absolutely um i can tell you wayne is not team christine <laughs> that's not true that just were those were not her best songs I keep giving him crap. I'm sorry, Wayne. I, That's all right. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I I would agree. Those are not Christine's best songs. Uh, you got to go on Mirage for that. I think. All right. Um, premise of our podcast: fairly simple. We talk about music, but we ask the all important question to get started. So um, I'm going to start with Wayne. What T-shirt are you wearing? So I'm wearing a Huntington Huntington Beach T-shirt, but that's not really the key to this because it's cold. So over my Huntington beach t-shirt, I'm wearing my 2002 deck, the hall ball, good Charlotte, the young and the hopeless. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. Appropriate. I think. Yeah. All right. How about for you, Chance? What, what t-shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing this vintage, uh, Mickey mouse t-shirt from sometime. I think it's sometime in the seventies. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, it's seen some love in its day and it's just a white, uh, kind of off white cream shirt with little red neck band, red arm bands. And it's got Mickey mouse just smiling, guffawing. And it's, it's really aged and etched with love. I think I had that shirt. Maybe in the seventies. Yeah. 
I, I it'd be funny if this was the shirt. It it wouldn't be because that was <laughs> that awesome. was like that was like third grade, fourth grade. And I oh don't think no! You're, yeah, I don't think you're that small. No, unfortunately. No, no. But I I I know exactly which one you're wearing. Yeah, love it. And what about you, right. Ben? I am wearing my Bob Mould Sunshine Rock T-shirt. So great. I haven't. I haven't worn that for a while, so I don't know how it fits in with you, Chaz, or some forty-one. I don't know how it fits in, but you know what? I've I've kind of thrown and Wayne can attest to this. I've kind of thrown the the whole theme thematic T-shirt wearing thing just out the door because I just. I've had a hard time uh, being thematic. No, you know what? I think I think you can draw a line from Husker Du to some forty one. It's a weird line. Um, it's a it's very it's squiggly. Not a straight line, line. I think. No, it's <laughs> very squiggly. All right, all right. Well, get give me the scoop on Chaz Cardigan. So, um, I read you're from Elizabethtown, Kentucky. I am. I am from Elizabethtown, Kentucky. So, how accurate is the Cameron Crowe movie? Uh, do you know what's so funny? I, I look. I, I could spend ten minutes just throwing a diatribe about that movie, but <laughs> but they spent two weeks filming in Elizabethtown and used less than ten seconds of the footage in the film. It was actually all filmed really? one. Yeah, it was actually filmed one town over in Vine Grove, Kentucky, not oh. in Elizabethtown. Um, I will never forget. We had this old movie theater in my town that shut down in the. 30s 40s there was a fire for years you know it's it's part of the town ghost walk in the okay in the town square and they renovated it i don't know how much money they put in not a million but you know half a million whatever they put into renovating this movie theater for the premiere of elizabeth town this is 2005 keep in mind orlando bloom is at the height of his lord of the rings fame and the pirates pirate movies right 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 Right. And the front page news the next day was that no one from the film showed up (laughs) to to the premiere. They would they premiered it in Franklin, Tennessee, of all places. But there's I'll never forget this like image on the front cover of our town newspaper of this, you know, line of kids in like Legolas costumes and uh, pirate outfits. And this one kid holding up a sign saying, welcome, Legolas. And the the headline was like town saddened. It was, it was very- <laughs> uh, that's that's uh, that that makes me sad. Yeah. So oh, so so did Cameron Crowe show up? No, no one did. No one did. Oh my god. Paul no. Dean. Come on, somebody. Fun story. But soundtrack's amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. We've talked about that a number of times. Yeah, we almost did an episode on it. So last year we had a. We did Cameron Crow soundtrack month. Wow. Okay. And um, what bumped it? Do you remember what bumped it? No, we got we got sidetracked. It didn't we get did bumped. Get we ran out of time. We have, you'll you'll find this out, Chaz. Um, I think both of us have adult ADD. Mm. So you'll 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 find that. I think more so me than than Wayne. Oh yeah, but you, easily. You, yeah, you'll you'll find that out. All right. Um, so one of the pivotal moments in the movie is when the band plays Freebird. So um, does 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 Leonard Skinner get played a lot in Elizabethtown? Oh, I mean, uh, uh, it's hard. <laughs> well, there's not there's not really venues 
in Elizabethtown. There's there's yeah. you know barbecue joints and sports bars, but there's not really venues where people go see bands. But if you're going to see a band play at a bar or a tavern or something, it's a cover band. Yeah. Leonard yeah. Skinner is going to get played because that's that's it's mainly that's the, the yeah it's mainly the baby boomers that are out and it's mainly baby boomers playing in the band and they they love Leonard Skinner. Yeah, I I always meant to to travel to Elizabeth Town. So my old job, one of my clients was in Owensboro, Kentucky. Got it. And so Elizabeth Town is not far from there. Not far at all. Yeah, and I I always kept meaning to um, to at least drive through Elizabethtown, and then I never did, and then I switched jobs, and I have no reason to ever go back to Kentucky, which m- maybe I will. Actually, Louisville is in Kentucky, so yeah, plenty th- to do there. Yeah, I still need to go to Louisville. Art never museum did. is excellent. Is it? Yes, okay. the science museum is fun too. Well, I was going to go Ooh. for the baseball bat museum. Also fun. Also okay. fun. Yeah. Good museum. Okay. All right. I don't know where I'm going with this. See, this is what I'm talking about with the old, 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 old ADD. Um, all right. Hologramma. Name of your album. What does it mean? Uh, so when I was putting the record together, I'd been writing songs for about a year. Uh, I had signed my record deal and I was traveling a lot more and sort of all of my relationships were changing with my friends and my family and my my partner at the time and it it sort of forced me to like look back at my life and these like relationships I I thought I understood and these stories I thought I understood and sort of look at them from a new context and just drilled home for me how nothing stays still everything is always in flux it's kind of shimmering and when I when I imagined that and thought of the songs I would think of these like kind of you know iridescent shifting colors and and how nothing stays put in place and it's always sort of in between point a and b uh if point a and b are real at all so that's what hologram is about shifting colors is like the that that seems like the theme of 2020 doesn't it right yes um were you planning on touring for this oh yeah yeah Uh. yeah it's you know I'm really proud of what my team and I were able to pull off in 2020. Um, All things considered, you know, we took not okay to radio and got a top 20 alternative record out of that. And, and and we weren't able to visit any radio stations. I wasn't able to play any shows. So I'm meeting program directors for the first time over Instagram live. And, you know, I, I put a lot of time in on TikTok this year, growing that from, zero to about i think like 160,000 right now it's not a lot but it, but it, in the moments where it grew it was always this like really dramatic growth i went from like 400 to 54,000 in like 12 hours at one point wow and it's always it these really quick moments and yeah. was it explosive all things considered not really no song went viral you know no song popped off and got like 30 billion streams and became uh you know, the new WAP or anything, um, which was a letdown for, uh, for some people, (laughs) but I, you know, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of what we were able to do this year from our bedrooms. Yeah. I, so I'll say this. So we, we always ask all of our guests at the end, 
which you'll, you'll figure this out. We ask, who do you know that I don't know that should come on the podcast to talk about one of their favorite records. That's, That's why we got connected with you. And, and more often than not, I haven't heard of those individuals. Great. Like they'll re- they'll recommend somebody like so Bree Kennedy was the one who recommended Jake to us. Got it. And I and I'd never heard Jake and started listening to him. I'm like, I like this dude. <laughs> and 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 so when Jake recommended you, you know, I immediately went to Spotify and I'm like, I'm gonna go listen to his stuff. And and not okay was the first thing that I listened to. I'm like, oh, I've heard I've heard this song. Oh, no way. So, so it did get a little play here in Orlando on the whatever you want to call it alternative station. Yes, and I'm using and I'm using the the quotation marks because we don't. None of us know what alternative is in okay, 2020. I, no, I, there's, I was, yeah, there's I was just going to ask you that. Yeah, no one knows. Quite literally, it's a debate everyone is having all the time. Okay, there is not an answer for it. Is it just pop music that's not on the pop charts? Yeah. Is it anything with a guitar in it? Is it, I, I mean, at one point this year, Juice World was on the alternative charts. It, it's, you know, it's a free for all. No one really knows what we're doing right now. Or is yeah. it like, is it Cage the Elephant, MGMT, or is it Billie Eilish? I, I was just going to say, so, so here's, here's what the alternative station in Orlando is like. So you just mentioned Cage the Elephant. So they play a lot of Cage play a lot of imagine dragons matt sure. mason gets a lot of play love matt I think, mason i think matt may have done like a, a a private show here at one time so now everybody at that station just like like will play matt mason like once once an hour right it, it, that that's what it feels like but they also play like i was listening a couple weeks ago they played um notorious big huh and then a week later, I huh. hear "Lose Yourself." Okay, from, from Eminem. Okay, so, so I'm like both great songs, but are they al- de- alternative? Alternative to, I guess, contemporary pop, sure. I but it, that's that's interesting. That's that is not a legacy catalog you hear on a lot of alt stations. Shout out Tampa. That's interesting. No, nah, it's I and it, and it. I think it's an iHeartMedia. A venue as well Got so uh, yeah so i don't i don't know what they're doing i really don't um again uh, uh, the adult add thing is coming out i don't know where i'm going with uh, the alternative radio i mean like like who would you consider your your peers from an alternative standpoint at oh this point? interesting question um, I definitely think of Wallows. I think of Biba Doobie. I think of the Rex. I think of uh, Coin, Knightley, uh, the band Camino. Um, Chloe Moriando, I think, is excellent. Uh, I, I do think that there are, you know, people writing like 
cool hooky songs with like this kind of punk energy that seems to be a thing right now and i'm stoked on that i i mean i think the 1975 are are in there for me declan mckenna uh love declan mckenna um pale waves that whole kind of dirty hit world i i think are what i think of when i think of alternative music right now yeah i i didn't know most of those people that you just mentioned (laughs) okay Uh, and that that probably is just uh, me showing my age right Wayne. You can't know everything yeah, all the time. It, music is impossible to keep up with. It really is. And we've, I, I would say, it, I mean, especially if you look at our our most listened to songs episode, I would say, what, 90% Wayne was probably Americana acts. Just that's yeah. kind of where we're at. <laughs> would fall into that category. Definitely yeah. adult contemporary. Nothing against the alternative or whatever. No, back in the day. What, what, what we're calling it. it. Yeah. Um, favorite song by far on the record, Losing Touch. Oh, thank you. Uh, love it. Um, I, I love I love just all the sentiment of it. The last night I had a dream that we were 17, still on speaking terms. Um, I'm assuming that's written uh, for somebody in particular. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it's, it's for a really specific friend I lost yeah. touch with for about seven years actually we we re-ended up reconnecting earlier this year before the record came out um but basically like a family member growing up our families went on vacation together i mean it helped me move from kentucky to nashville we were very close for years um yeah i'm glad that song resonated with people yeah it happens um it does it does yeah once you get to our age you'll you'll really look back and go oh wow yeah and there's no you know there's no animosity there about it it's you know life happens and you you move to different states and things happen in seasons yeah Yeah, there's there's going to be plenty of people that you were friends with at age 17 that you're just not going to keep in touch with. Of like, course. Yeah, Wayne, I, I never thought you and a uh, particular friend of ours would not be tight anymore, yeah. for instance. It happens. So, it happens. I guess I could say the same thing about a certain college roommate of mine <laughs> as well. You know you know who I'm talking about. Um, all right. That's that's you never paid me back for the weed, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Back to uh, losing touch. So if I compared if I compared that song to a a Harry Styles type of tune, would that be considered a compliment for you or something else? You know, I'd take it. I think Harry Styles has some really interesting taste. I will say I think I think Hologramma is probably personally about as pop of a record as i would ever want to make again um and harry styles i think is probably as hmm how would you say this harry styles is probably the most like actually alternative pop artist i can think of i mean they're definitely pop songs but the taste there i mean it's it's very like 
a lot of it's pretty dad rock. A lot of it, like the guitars, the chord progressions, they're very psychedelic, very colorful. So, so I'll, I'll take the Harry Styles thing. Did you hear that, Wayne? Absolutely. I and that's a name that came to mind too. The other one is was Panic at the Disco. Like I was like, I was wishing he would have picked Panic, uh, a Fever You Can't Sweat Out instead of Chuck. Oh, interesting. I did. You know, I do love Fever You Can't You Can't Sweat Out. Uh, that next one, Pretty Odd, was the record. Ah. That I really too. That's the one I really clung on to growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Wayne Wayne gave me crap because for our our most listened to songs. (laughs) Fifty one year old man. Yeah. Well, I picked Adore You as one of my most listened to because I I I love that record. That that record's great. I I agree. It's a great record. And I, I think like the 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 musical sensibilities there are just they're really tasteful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so are, are you familiar at all with uh, the artist who goes by the moniker Model Child? No. I think, I th- okay, so you have homework to do. Like I, you, you, you just mentioned that you want, wanted, you know, more punk sensibilities. So, yes. Um, so he, he is written for a lot of people. What's the, um, uh, what's the song to start with? And Cuckoo. Cuckoo? Go, yeah, go with Cuckoo. Okay. All right. It's added to my favorites, and I will check that out later tonight. Oh, man. I like... There's not a lot of streams on these. I like that. Did he just drop a record today? Uh, it's pretty recent. It was pretty recent. There's no There's no streams on... Like, there's zero on four of these songs. That's crazy. Really? But the others have a couple thousand or like 75,000. This yeah. is good. This is good. We're getting in early. I like this. Okay, so so it's Danny Danny Parker is his name, and he's more known for writing um, writing songs with other people. So uh, I'm sure you know one of his songs called "Stitches." Oh no way! <laughs> yeah, yeah, like everybody knows that. Song. No way. Yeah. So go go check him out because I think I think that you know with you saying, hey, I, I like making pop records, but I also like the punk sensibilities. Sure. I think I think you and Danny would like get along really well. Amazing, amazing. Okay, okay. I'm stoked on that. Thank you. So he picked he picked of Montreal. You have a Montreal fan at all? Of course. Yeah, okay. love of Montreal. Okay. All right. So um, I already like him. Yeah, yeah, you <laughs> look at us. We're we're all bonding over, you know, music. It's great. Oh, um, cool. He and I are on two of the same uh Spotify playlists. Okay. This I this makes sense to me now. Cool. Okay. All right. Um all right, I do have to ask you a question. Yes. So for your song Little by Little, uh I did see that the credits go to you and Steven Aiello. Oh, live a little. Yes, yes, yes. Stevie. Where do I know Steven? Uh, he plays in a little band called 30 seconds to Mars. Uh, okay. Okay. And, and Kevin Griffin is also credited on that. Yes. Is this Kevin Griffin from better than Ezra? It is. Kevin's a, Kevin is, I call him my song dad. Kevin is a great friend. He's amazing. He's a, honestly, yes. Great human above all other things, but also just insanely effortless writer. He comes up yeah. with, the catchiest stuff out of nowhere 
and just throws it away like it's nothing. I love better than Ezra. Me too. Wayne, Wayne, we 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 need to get them on. We need to get Kevin. On. Oh, Kevin would do oh, yeah. this in a heartbeat. Kevin would love this. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I got like a whole list of people that I need to reach out to. Kevin's on. Kevin's one of them. Yes. And I think that that is that's that kind of symbolizes 2020 for me. Like, you got to wake up every morning and see the day as a gift and check that bucket list and um yeah uh where 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 did you come up with the lyrics were you part of that uh yeah i i definitely that's the song of mine that's come out that i've had the least uh creative input in which is also which i'm you know totally open to admitting we we wrote it thinking like oh it's gonna end up on like tv or sync or or something we wrote it thinking it was a song for a commercial which it ended up finding a home in an ad campaign for an apple tv show called uh tiny world which was killer um so you know it served its purpose but i i my contribution to that would have been the bridge pretty much well not pretty much every other song of mine that's come out i am every line i'm deep in it but that was an idea that kevin and stevie had and they said do you think you could add anything to this and i added the uh the lyric i don't know where the future goes eight billion people who feel alone but ain't no time to feel broken love life is waiting why be patient love it yeah love it so are i know that you've um you have a song in a netflix movie i do Um, what was the name of it again? Uh, the the song is "As I'll Ever Be." It's in a movie called "To All the Boys." P.S. I still love you. I haven't watched it. It's more of a young adult movie, right? It is. It is. You know what? Okay, I was such a cynic going into it, and it kind of the last thing that happened before the world shut down. I got invited out to the premiere of that at the Egyptian Theater in L.A. Okay. My manager and I went out. We have not seen the first movie. It's based on this book series. Yeah. And the theater is just full of the cast, the crew, sure. But then a bunch of young screaming fans who won like contests to come see the thing. And they screamed at every single scene like it's a Star Wars movie or like a Marvel movie. Like the reveals, like, you know, a boy turns his head, hey, and then, oh, my God, oh, my God. And it was amazing. It was amazing. It's such an electric way to see a movie. And for as cynical as I was going in, like, ah, okay, it's like a young adult romance or whatever. Honestly, I actually really liked it. I thought it's a really new, a really nuanced movie, actually. Okay. All right. Cool. I'm, a, I'm always looking for, for stuff to watch. And I'm okay with young adult um, stuff. I mean, I watched the first two seasons of 13 Reasons Why. Okay. You know, it's got some schmaltz to it. But if anything... Yeah. I think the world could use a little bit of camp right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Not a bad idea. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I just started watching, uh, Schitt's Creek. Mm. That's that's been my, my binging. I'm about halfway through season season two right now. So, 
And and that was just because I needed some schmaltz. Do have you do you watch The Good Place? Uh I finished that uh, a couple months ago. Oh, okay. It. Yeah, yeah, yep, the perfect wholesome schmaltz. I love The Good Place. Yes. Um my wife didn't like it. <laughs> I always made I always made fun of her. I'm like, "Well, it's a it's a thinking person series." <laughs> She, that she, definitely not what your wife wants no, to hear. No, she, she didn't like that very much. She didn't like that. <laughs> well, you don't like it because it's it's for thinking people. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Ah, oh, exactly. come on. All right. Um, what else? What 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 am I missing that I should be asking you about your about your own stuff before we talk about somebody else's career? I don't know. I mean, I feel like we covered it pretty thoroughly. I I, yeah. I, I guess quick bullet points. I put out two EPs in this year. Uh proud of both of them we took not okay to radio you know we did the we did the song for the netflix movie yeah we've covered it all yeah all right oh what i did need to ask you one last thing about the uh i'm not okay video oh uh, yes 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 how many gummy bears did you waste uh oh my god you don't actually want the answer to this so we filmed that over two different days and oh, on no. and on both days there were 100 pounds of gummy bears on set per day no yeah oh yeah that's some that's a waste of some good gummy bears it is you know what i i actually did feel incredibly ethically bad about that but also (laughs) i'm not uh i'm not the one who called for that many gummy bears on set and I didn't approve the budget for it, so it's okay. It's uh, I, my conscience is a little clean, but I, I guess going forward, I know now. Okay, if I include food in any music video going forward, yeah. it's going to be an excessive amount of food <laughs> that could actually feed a solid amount of kids, like somewhere where where there's a candy uh, shortage. Yeah. Anyways, fun video. I'm fun sure video. I'm sure it was fun making that too. So fun to shoot. Yeah. 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 Um, I did, fun fact, I did get um <laughs> the second day we were shooting it, there's this quick shot in the video where I, I shove like a handful of gummy bears into my mouth. Yeah. And of course when you film a thing, you're not just filming it one time, you're doing it 30, 40 times from different angles just in case for coverage. Yep. And I ended up going into a diabetic sugar shock <laughs> because of, and, and I'm not diabetic by the way, but the amount of sugar in my bloodstream and I wasn't even swallowing the bears at a certain point. I was just putting them in my mouth and kind of chewing, but the sugar is getting in my saliva yeah. and someone's there with a little spit bowl for me to get rid of them. So I don't have to keep eating them. Cause we did that shot for maybe about 20 minutes. Gross to hear. I know, but I am, Actually, I'm at the Bad Robot Studio in Santa Monica, and I am vomiting, and I am like pale. My manager's like, "You've got to eat a potato. You've got to eat bread. <laughs> Just eat yeah. something." And I'm like, "No, the carbs." Um, I had a show that night. Literally, I I eat oh a piece of bread. I eat a piece of bread, and within ten minutes, I'm fine. And oh. like later that night, it's like nothing had happened. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. fun yes. video. Fun yes. video. Listeners all need to go and go check that out. It's a lot of fun. Um, all right. So, Chaz, tell us what record you chose to revisit on this episode. I chose Sum 41's 2004 record, Chuck. This was the second album I ever bought with my own money. Uh, around the time this came out, I was just getting into guitar music. I picked up guitar and, and I was sort of 
finding uh you know my own taste you grow up with your your siblings music and your parents music on around the house and this was super important for me in finding what i liked and the kind of music i wanted to make and i was in punk bands growing up and and this record i come back to it all the time and some 41 i think gets crapped on a lot uh mainly for stuff like you know into deep but there's a phase of their career where I'd argue they're a really great and thoughtful band. And I think it gets overlooked and there's just so much going on on this record um, that keeps me coming back to it all the time. And some of that could be nostalgia, but <laughs> we're going to unpack that today. Absolutely. All right. So you mentioned this is second CD that you bought. What was the first? The first was uh, a band called Reliant K. They had an album called. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, we were. We would have been really into like church around that time of my life. I was like nine, I think, when that record came out. So okay. any money that I had to spend on things, my mom is taking me to a Christian bookstore. So I spent it there. How she let me get away with this record i will never understand but i did i probably got it from a barnes and noble um probably i don't know where's they staying with a friend i don't know like i couldn't listen to green day or anything like that i did but i wasn't allowed to you know so which reliant k one was it it was called "Mm -hmm." it had a little flower on the cover it's the record with be my escape and who i am hates who i've been on it yeah um i so do you want to hear my story on that one (laughs) I, I'm open to it. All right. So um, back in 03 to 05, I wrote music reviews for a now defunct website. And one of the one of the records that they gave me to review was. Mm-hmm. And I didn't hate it. Sure. But I must. Have, but I must have said some stuff in there about that I didn't like. I think there was what's what's the one song that's super long? Oh, um the the, the title. Oh, it's like something about beating a Oh horse. yeah, 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 and the song's a minute and a half. It's uh, uh the yeah. only thing worse than beating a, a dead, dead horse, horse is betting, is betting on, on, on it. it. Yep, 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 yep. I just looked I just looked it up. Um so I said something derogatory about it. Um I got so much hate email because um because of that that particular review i it was it was kind of funny um because i never felt like any of my reviews were ever considered relevant <laughs> and and the all of these reliant k fans um got super pissed off at something i said in the review right so. right 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 which which is it's wild to me that of all records you would have reviewed in that time period that's the one that sticks out as relevant. <laughs> That's wild. Okay. Well, I thought it was. I thought it was weird from from the standpoint of they ask me to do that because look, I was in my thirties at that point, and I was most of my reviews were stuff like Big Head Ted and the Monsters and um, Carbon Leaf and you know the these a very adult alternative type of of bands and then my editor who was new and he started assigning out records and he thought that this was a good idea for me to take on this 
would you call would you call Reliant K an emo band? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit, right? Yeah. It was this era where like emo and pop punk and Christian punk were all yeah. kind of like crossing yeah. over. Yeah, yeah. I call them an emo band for a stretch of records, yes. Yeah. So so he assigned it to me and I'm like, dude, we have like 18 and 19 year old writers on staff. Right. Why are you why are you assigning this to a guy who's in his, you know, 30s? Um and has kids and doesn't listen to this kind of music. So sure. I just thought it was there, there is a lyric on that record uh, here at 23. It's the same old me. Definitely not aiming at you for sure. Yeah, no, that's um, not my wheelhouse. Okay. Um, let's get back to some 41. Chuck. Um, oh yeah. Chuck. Here we go. So when I listen to your music, I don't necessarily get a some forty one vibe. So sure. what 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 was it about some forty one that that connected with you? Oh God, it's the energy. It's the energy. I think something that's important to remember too, and and this is something I think I'm learning to kind of keep a little bit more of a handle over, is yeah. that unfortunately a lot of people, especially like you work with different writers, you work with different producers, you ha- you have the label architecture. No one's music with their name on it is just their music. There are so many other opinions getting injected along the way from the manager and the A&R and from, you know, the, the producer and the mixer and everybody's uh, opinions are sort of getting coagulated into the thing that has my name on it so a lot of times things things i would say that actually may be more indicative of this influence pool get edited out of the music messier guitars more in your face drums um stuff like that but some 41 i mean this is this made music exciting for me and frankly i'm just now at 25 learning how to write slow songs because <laughs> this was all I listened to for years. I mean, I, it was this and like uh, Susie and the Banshees and dead Kennedys and, yeah. and bad brains and black flag. And then I got into like Bjork and stuff like that. And, and that, like, sure that's got some like melodrama and some spacey stuff to it. But I, I really, I genuinely there's a song on my record called middle of the road. That's got this like boom, yeah. kip, boom, kip, boom, kip, boom, kip, boom, kind of rhythm to it. And I called it a sleepy song to someone on my team at one point. And they were like, in what world is that song sleepy? And in my brain, I'm, I'm always looking for everything to have this like kind of amphetamine thing to it. I'm like, I need it to, I need like this high voltage. Like I, w- I want to be scared of where we're going next. And I, I don't feel like that translated a lot on hologram. I don't know. Maybe it's not a shortcoming, but it's a, it's a quality yeah. about it that I I'm, I'm trying to maybe be a little bit more honest with myself about going forward. But at the same time, you know, I listen to someone like John Resnick from the Goo Goo Dolls, and I can tell that's somebody that loves punk music and loves grunge music, but he's writing ballads. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, so I'm trying to learn, like, what is the way? Okay, I'm not cool enough necessarily to make maybe like a punk record. I think I missed the boat on that one. I'm not mad enough anymore. I'm not. I'm not that unhinged. But like, you know, what is the way to take that influence set and go forward and and be honest 
that that's a real thing. So I don't know. That that was a tangent. Anyway, yes, some 41, it's there. Um <laughs> uh, that it's not audible all the time is yeah. somewhere I've really failed as a person, frankly. So you you mentioned the into deep. So that is pretty much a a, a I say it's a it's a power pop or power punk, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, song. totally. And that came before this record. Yes. If I remember much about that particular record, it did feel more like, um, you know, going back to to Wayne's shirt of a, it's more of a good Charlotte power punk. Whereas this record feels like it's more on the punk or even metal a little bit on a definitely definitely there's some there's a lot of thrash influence on here and i would say more like hardcore punk in moments yeah wayne what 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 were you gonna say on this oh i i i have a lot of things i they definitely shifted from this kind of snotty skate punk beastie boys uh thing from the first record and then they shifted much more pop punk on, you know, does this look infected? And then right. they're just continuing to get harder. Like I say, I can hear their influences. And I don't want, I, there aren't any songs on here that I would say I, I didn't like. I didn't skip any of them. I just could see sometimes they try too hard. It felt like on this record to sound like somebody else. And I like all of the bands that I thought they were trying to sound like. I just, sure. sometimes they pulled it off and sometimes they didn't, but you can definitely hear there's a much more of a, of of like bad religion is a is a band that that I hear in a lot of the songs here and you can't get any more legit than bad religion. I agree with that. I also think there's moments where they're trying to sound maybe a little bit like old school Metallica. They talk <laughs> a lot of yeah, they talk a lot in interviews like, oh, we love like Maiden and Priest. And yeah, I can hear that a little bit here. I also hear something like Fugazi on in moments on here. Um but Bad Religion is one for sure. Yeah, it, it definitely did get darker and darker. As an adult, I can totally agree with you that I hear the influences. But I will say, as a kid, I would not have known about those bands if a record like this didn't come out. This is yeah, a gateway. Um, yeah, you've got you to gotta take that. Because like I say, I hear Misfits. I hear Metallica. I hear System yes. of a Down. I mean, there's lots of good... I hear Oasis at one point. So there's yeah. lots of good things that they're doing. And uh, it, it is an interest. I, I, they're huge in Canada. I, if, if, if it wasn't for doing some research for this, I would have thought they stopped making music because in the world I was in, they played them on alternative radio. Those first two records, this, this record put them in a place where they, they weren't going to be played on alternative radio anymore because their sound got too heavy but they weren't legitimate enough to get played on hard rock radio. So now they, sure. in America, they, for all intents and purposes, disappeared. Right. The record after this, which came out when I was in middle school, is a record called Underclass Hero. And a couple tracks on that, I remember, got played on Fuse all the time. I watched Fuse every day in middle school. And one track crossed over on pop radio. That was weird, but it was around the time the lead singer married Avril Lavigne. Uh, so that yeah. made more sense. Brief Marriage whatever they still work together i'm pretty sure but it, it, it and that record moved towards more like straightforward I, i'd say pop punk again there's like a green day feeling on that record and this until their more recent stuff in the last few years that's really leaned into the metal and the heavy influences this is 
as abrasive as they got for a really long time. And I, I, the song that introduced me to this record is, is the bonus track newts. It was on the soundtrack to the fantastic four movie from 2005. Oh, Oh, I know. I know it's a terrible movie, but because of that soundtrack, I know about velvet revolver. I knew about Joss stone. I knew about taking back Sunday and I learned about, some 41 um and then for whatever reason that was the one that i was like no i want that record i want to buy that record that has that on it and then at the time the song wasn't available on the american edition thank god for spotify but i ended up getting chuck yeah and uh, i was looking at spotify so um there are no slouches as far as number of streams for some of these songs uh you mentioned in too deep 241 million streams wow. of that. Wow. Fat Lip 215. Um, for this record, Pieces has the most uh, 83, 83 right. million. And uh, I don't recall ever hearing Still Waiting. That has 180. So am I still yeah. waiting for this world to stop hating? I listened to it today and I'm like, I've never heard this song. Okay. It was on alternative radio. That was because that was from the second record, right? Uh, Yeah, it was. I apparently wasn't listening to alternative stations during that time. Actually, in Orlando, we didn't have an alternative station at that point. So there we go. How well do you know the the members of the band? Uh, I'm pretty sure at this moment the lineup was Derek Wibley, um, Cone McCaslin on bass. Steve Jocks on drums and Dave, is it Bakshi on guitar? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Something to that effect. Okay. No, I, I don't want to be that guy. I, I want to actually remember his name because they, they all went by nicknames. I remember his nickname was Brownstone, Dave Bach, Dave Bach. Yeah. That was his name. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to say here, I'm just going to get it out of the way. I'm going to say that the MVP on this record is Frank Zumo. Oh, wait, Frank Zumo. Is he on this record? Oh, no, Frank. Frank Zumo is not on this record. He no, became- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm looking at the current lineup. That is not. You mean Steve Jocks, the drummer? I'm, I'm talking about Steve Jocks. Yeah. Oh, my God. The drums, the drums. I mean, just carry the thing. Yeah. Really? The lead guitar and the drums carry this record. Yeah, for sure. All right. You guys ready to jump into this? Let's jump into yeah. it. Yes. All right. I'm going to I'm going to put the record on in the background and there and we we'll right. start talking. So, uh as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs are we scoring on this record? 13. So, it means our top song is going to get 13 points, next favorite 12 points on down to lowest score of 1. So, uh, that's why I said it like that. Um, the track listing is actually 14 tracks on Spotify, but we're combining the first and second track because the first track is the intro that is only 46 seconds long. I just didn't see any reason to count the intro. On yeah, its we own. just end up putting it last. Did, did, did you see what I did? I didn't see. <laughs> any ah, yes. Okay, I saw okay. no reason. I saw that. Yeah, I saw no reason to do that. All right. So so really the first track that we're talking about is no reason. So yes. 
Wayne, Wayne, get us started. What, 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 what is it about this song that I think um, I'm looking at score? So it all resonated with us. Well, like I said, most, most songs of a different band kind of came into my mind right away. And on a hand, on a handful of songs, and this being one of them, that isn't the case. It doesn't, it, yes, like there's influences. I can hear the punk influence uh, on it, or and even a little bit of the of the heavy metal influence on it. But it doesn't sound like anybody else. So, mm-hmm. for when you don't sound like anybody else, you must be sounding like yourself. So this feels like much more of a a, a sum forty one song, the kind of song that at this point I was expecting to hear from them. Like I don't understand the Metallica inspired intro. I don't know how it how it helped the record, but they did need some sort of intro to start this song. So I guess it's as good as any, but yeah, this, this has that pop punk. It's definitely on the heavier side. Um, you know, a la new religion, Pennywise. Uh, really? Cause when they, they started doing the, Hey, 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 I was waiting for them to say, shout at the devil. Oh <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's what I was. Waiting and I, I've seen some 41. I believe some 41 was at the deck, the hall ball concert with good Charlotte, but I also saw them open up for surprisingly enough, Motley Crue. Wow. Okay. I see it. Yeah. All right. So, so my question with the, the call and response thing that they do on this song, and uh, I think at least one other song. Um, So my question is who came first, some 41 or Lincoln park? Uh, chronologically, some yeah. forty-one. Did they? Okay. They did. They 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 are just just a hair older. Lincoln Park's first major record is two thousand one, or is it two thousand? It's two thousand or two thousand one. Yeah. But Hi- hybrid theory. But I would say that some forty-one didn't sound like Lincoln Park sounded no. like before. Lincoln Park sounded like that. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. Wait, wait. So, what was your score? I gave him eleven. I really like this song. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. What's your what's your score, Chance? I gave I gave this one a twelve. Okay. And a thirteen. Is, and this is my ten. Ten. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Uh so that leads us to we're all to blame. Yes. And um that was released to radio as the first single from Chuck. Um, did you guys see the video? Yes. I did not. Love it. No, love the video. I don't. Uh, I didn't. Wayne, Wayne. Sorry. It's a spoof of Solid Gold. <laughs> features oh. features the Solid Gold dancers. I don't think it's the same Solid Gold dancers from. That's back crazy. Back. I was just thinking about Solid Gold the other day, and it actually was a hit. So it was uh, in the U.S. It hit number ten on the Modern Rock Tracks chart. Wow. Which which I don't. D- does that chart still exist? In some way. I think now it's called like the rock songs chart. Okay. I'm pretty sure. And then in Canada, it was on uh, number 12 on their top 30. Wow. Yeah. What, what do you, what do you got on this one? Chance? This is a nine for me. I, I, I actually, this song grows on me. The older I get, um, as a kid, I didn't appreciate. I actually didn't appreciate the, the slower moments of this as a kid. And now I actually kind of love how bipolar it is. It shifts from this like thing to this uh, like kind of Elton Johnny Bowie piano world here and there. And and I 
I actually really like it. And of like, you know, the meaning of the song is lost on an, on a 10 year old. Uh, this, this idea that we're all complicit in the exploitation of, of late stage capitalism and like the, the military industrial complex is just, I, I don't have a frame of reference for that. So yeah. to me, it was just like, yeah, everything sucks. <laughs> and the older I get, I listen to it. I'm actually like, no, there's really something here about how the system that we, we participate in is actively bad for all of us. And it's, you know, is it the most adept lyrical take on that? Probably not even from 2004. But at the same time, I think that songs like this laid the groundwork for me to be into politics like I am now. I, I So I gave I gave this one a nine. It grows on me with age. All right. Wayne, how about you? What What, what is and, it? And I do think I, I think the reason that it it dropped into the middle, because it does have a very system of a downfield where they're playing these very heavy, yes. hard rhythms. And then you right. drop it out and you just have that clean guitar by itself. And then the singer kind of almost talks over it in a very, and so it's not that they don't do it well. It's that they don't do it as well as Serge Tankian and System of a Down. And also that was one of the smartest, most political bands. So yes. even emulating them, you're go, there's going to be a drop off. And, and the song, instead of play, it, it, instead of calling anybody out, it kind of calls everybody out in a general way where I guess I like it when it's more specifically pointed, but. I would say that I, I would agree with that. And and I do want to know your score, but I'd say one thing that echoes that is that I think this is more pop oriented than System of a Down ever was. And System of a Down's lyrics are more specific and more targeted. And to echo that, the melodies are a lot more angular. They're a lot more unpredictable. And I think the thing that keeps me coming back to this with age is that a lot of these choruses, you know, as straightforward as general as they are, they're really good pop choruses even when they're being screamed um i i sorry i just wanted to say that before i, I lost <laughs> it yeah no, absolutely I, I gave it a six okay right. and this is my four interesting okay yeah um all right angels with dirty faces is next oh this and, is my and, and going back to we're all to blame so l- let me just say this yes so, please please so, because you mentioned the bipolarness of this. So in my notes, um, I do have written um, schizophrenic. Okay. So okay. I, I yes. We're, we're the, the, the way that they do a lot of um, changes in the moods and the chords and all that good stuff. That's, that's kind of their formula. I do have to be in a mood for it. I got to yeah. say that. Yeah. All right. So angels with dirty faces. Um, let me just, let me just get this out here because this this is going to become a theme for a lot of my scores. So, okay, okay, Wayne, you know I'm a lyrical guy, and so when lyrics are super ambiguous, that's cool for some bands and fans. But you know, I like it a little more well, personal. I don't, I don't think that it's. I think it's about drugs. I don't think it's terribly. Uh, ambiguous. I do think that's funny that that was Angels with Dirty Faces is the name of the movie that Macaulay Culkin is watching uh, in Home Alone. Yes. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> but I think when I, I I think it's somewhat bland for a for a for a drug song. I mean, obviously, growing up in the eighties and nineties, 
there were some really good drug songs with real vivid imagery. And this one um, kind of fell short. Yeah. That, yeah. The song, that. the song is super vague to me. Like I, it is. I, I know that they keep saying, you know, it's a perfect hell and, and well, that's great, but I don't, I don't know what, what exactly has got a hold of you. Like, I know that it's, it's some kind of addiction. Is it drugs? Is it, is it, whatever so yes it's it's just too vague for me so that that's where i'm what's your what's your score and i'll bring that up a couple times i think a three yeah i i agree i think that this records like this for as much energy as they have in a lot of places i i think one thing that it did to me as a kid was make me think that songs were supposed to be vague (laughs) um which is it sounds dumb right but but i like Nirvana was a little bit like that too, but the stuff, it, the, the imagery is so much more potent yeah. and like Kurt Cobain is like obtuse, but it's intentionally obtuse and it's really evocative. And so much of this, it is just like, how can I say the thing without saying anything at all? And I, I actually find that to be a problem with a lot of, I guess like modern rock, active rock, it, it is yeah. that it falls into that really like vague category where you can insert yourself in it. But I, I mean, I didn't realize this was about addiction until, you know, I'd been listening right. to the thing for 10 years. This is a four for me. I mean, there are some, some, some catchy lyrics. I mean, going back to what you were saying with the Nirvana thing of, of you don't always know what Kurt was saying, but there was, there was some, emotional there was some flow to it you know where on this lyric of like i'm i'm walking pollution who's drained by uh it's very lyrical miracle spiritual mystical obsession possession destruction yeah yeah so i do like that part but it's just um again it's just it's too vague and i don't i like the line i love i actually really like the line the less i do the more it makes no sense that's cool (laughs) okay yeah, that that's a cool line to me. But I, I wish that there was just like some more like piercing imagery to, to really drive that home now. But, that you know, that's me being critical of a, of a record that has done way better than anything I've ever made. So <laughs> Wayne, did wait. I get your score on this one? I, I also gave it a four. OK. OK. So that that brings up some say, which um, was considered a single in canada in japan um there there is a video for it um and it was not released in the u.s and europe as a single they ended up going with uh, no reason and it did okay up in canada number 14 on the charts up there but i will say this go back to my comments about the last song about vague lyrics yeah what is this about <laughs> i have no idea what is it? I, I like I can kind of I, I I infer or maybe I'm projecting that this is a song about getting the things you wanted, i.e. we've signed the record deal. We've toured the world. We have the fan base and it's not the thing we wanted is kind of the vibe I get. And how are we supposed to evolve? Some say we're never meant to grow up. I'm sure they never knew enough. I know the pressures won't go away. It's too late. Like this thing that like we've got ourselves in now, there's so much machinery around what we're doing, what we're doing that it's always going to be pressurized and, and maybe we can't evolve beyond what we are. That's me totally projecting because it is not spelled out anywhere. No, I'm assuming that the sum of the sum say is the man or 
consumers? Well, I mean, like, I don't know who it is. Yeah. Wayne, Wayne, do you have a hypothesis? And I, I felt it was more of a, of like Chaz said, a take on becoming a rock star. And now all of these things that you dreamed of being as a kid turn out to, it's like, I've always said about baseball, once they start paying you to do it, it's not as fun as it was yeah. before. And so there it's, it's like a lot of things. It's like legal weed. It's, it's not, that's not nearly as exciting. It's, it's much more fun when it's, it's, you're hiding it. It's against the law. It's, it's right in there with that. And so, but the thing that got me about, is that why everybody in Washington is depressed right now is because it's legal up there. No, yeah, I don't, uh, there's, we got all kinds of different problems up here. I don't know that that's it, but, uh, we just want to go to a bar and watch a live show is probably what's causing the majority of the depression around here. But to me that the ultimately in the, at least in the verse part, it has a very oasis feel to it. I agree with that. That they don't. And I don't particularly think it's a good Oasis song, but the what really bothers me is they don't commit to it and they go into this much heavier kind of pre-chorus chorus part where they where they kind of give up what they've what they've started, right or wrong. And it becomes a Sum 41 song. Yeah. Yeah. Just for a minute and then it goes back. And so the lack of commitment is what sunk my score on this. Okay. Uh what it what is your score? This is my least favorite song. Oh my really? Okay. Okay. So you're saying that this is an Oasis song from like Be Here Now? Uh, yeah. It, well, I, I don't know that Oasis All songs around sound, tremendous, the world. <laughs> sound tremendously different album to album, but uh, this one sounds like a, a poorly done Oasis song. And then, and then, and halfway through and in, in the, in between it's inspersed with, with, with not bad, some 41 parts. Yeah. All right. Any last thoughts on on this one? Uh, I gave this one this it, it it this sounds counterintuitive. By the way, this record's just fun for me because I have nostalgia <laughs> attached to it. Sure. Um, it is it one of my favorite albums of all time? Not really, but I I do love it. I I love it the way you love a movie that you grew up with before you realized oh, it's not the best movie, is it? Um. So, so some say this is this is a seven for me. Okay. It's it's in, it's middle of the pack, but I it, it's one that I I do when I'm listening to it. I tend to skip this chunk of songs. Yeah. This was my five. This is your five. And, and Wayne, you already said this was your least, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So bitter end. A bitter end. This is my this is my number one. This is no, this is one for me. This is my one as well. And that and this is my two. So that makes perfect because, like I say, this time. They go Metallica hardcore, but that's not an easy task. I mean, Kill Kill 'Em All era, Master of Puppets era, Metallica is actually musically very strong. James Hetfield, by all accounts, not a good person, but in at, at that point was the best metal singer that there was. And Kirk Hammett, he doesn't just play fast; he plays amazing and so and I, the music yeah and yes, i think the musicianship on this yeah. song is incredible to me but i have skipped it since i was 10 yeah but that well I, what my point is they the drums the drummer almost keeps up but but dave Bash is no kirk hammett and and Derek wibbly wibbly is no james hetfield and so trying to do a metallica style song without having the chops to do it uh, it really shows up. So did did metalheads embrace this band at all? Uh, yeah. 
I don't know. I wasn't a metalhead. I'm actually really curious about that. I, I also, I don't, what's wild to me is that they've kind of gone back in this direction in the last few years. Uh, they put out a greatest hits record a few years ago. And since then they've kind of doubled down on like the hard rock metal leaning thing. So there's gotta be a crowd for it. Um, or that, or they're just super passionate about it. Yeah. I was just curious. I, I had my two year stint as a metalhead back in the eighties. So this is this is very mega death and like though it doesn't sound like a slayer singing song, it definitely is a slayer music background noise song. So Yes, I agree with that. And I, I did I did circle the way that he sings consequences in this one. Oh, and, and but, uh, sorry, I, I moved my notes down to open your eyes for a sec. Yeah, where he talks about facial, facial consequences. consequences. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's interesting. It's it's a choice. It's a strong choice. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I was even going to ask you, Chaz, if you could do it, and you just did it for us. So, God, I hope if any... Uh, my karma is that some member of Sum 41 is going to hear this someday and be like, you know what? Screw that kid. We're never going to work with Chaz Cardigan in any capacity. <laughs> Because of this podcast where they're just trashing this record we made more than 20 years ago by the time they hear it. We're, we're going we're gonna to say some good things, too. So, yeah, 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 of um, course. Yeah, we just got to sift through this right now. All right, so Bitter End, the, I already said this is my least favorite. Wayne, you said? The Deuce. The Deuce. And then Chaz, this was your lowest? This is Yeah, Bitter End is, number, is, is one for me. Okay. All right, so Open Your Eyes is next. And look, I, I will say this, um, vague lyrics again. Yes. And I guess it's the relationship gone wrong from the one lyric of don't you regret you met me. So, so I'm, I'm taking it as a relationship song, but I, I usually I will give, I will deduct points for not knowing what the heck it means. But for this, I just, I love the musicality of the whole thing. Yes. Uh, I think I, I was gonna, I, I feel the same way about this, that I, I couldn't actually tell you what it's about, Yeah. but at the same, I think it's about how maybe like when you're in a fight or when you're like, we're in this place in our relationship or these aren't the people we are. This isn't me. This is, this isn't you. It's just what we're going through or whatever. But the melodies on this mm-hmm. are so driving are like, this is such a fun song to sing along to. The guitar solo is cool. There's like this little stutter thing that happens in the solo. Um, and it just, it keeps moving the whole time. This is an 11 for me. Yeah. And, and usually when I don't know what a song is about, I usually throw this over to Wayne cause he's way smarter and in, in analysis. Well, first of all, all, punk songs, if you don't know what they're about, it's about disillusionment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> every time. But I, this is my favorite song on the record for all of the things Chaz said, but also because which ties into, they don't sound like anybody else. Yeah. They're, they're, they're staying in their lane. Like, they do some, they do stuff. There is something that they do that they do really well. And when they, when they stick to that and they even have a little bit of caller response in the vocals, they, they double up Derek at one point. So it kind of gives it a, a fuller kind of echo effect to it. So they, they stay in their lane and they, and they knock it out of the park. Yeah. There's, it's weirdly like this song. 
musically has some nuance to me. When I think of this record, I think of songs like Open Your Eyes. I think of songs like No Reason. And I can't totally explain it, but it's the way the chords are voiced on the guitar where like, yeah, they're dark, but they're dark in a colorful way. And it's the way the guitars are mixed. And I think of the drum tones and that like this is this song is just indicative of the whole record for me. It's 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 cool to me that this is your number one. Ben, where's this for you? This is my 11. Wow. Okay. Okay. We're both 11 on this. Okay. Um, and then the, we go to slipping away, which starts out with the acoustic guitar. And again, I'm fixated on the vague lyrics. So yeah, I, I, I did start to like the song when the strings came in and then the song was done and it seems like an unfinished song to me. It feels Wayne, we've talked about this, that, you know, for the sake of, of having a CD and you want to put 15 songs on it. Um, I, I get that, but I wish that back in the nine, you know, late nineties and early two thousands, they were smart enough to go. We don't need to put everything. Yep. On the CD. Yeah. To fill up every megabyte. I, I, I agree in a, in a streaming era, I think four or five songs, maybe six would have been cut from this record and it would have been a really tight EP. Agreed. Wayne, what do you got on Slipping Away? Well, it, it, it starts out, I, I kind of, uh, the band that it reminded me of was another one of their contemporaries, Lit. Oh my gosh. And But this song never goes anywhere. And then I, I had looked at the, the liner notes to see, I don't see any, any cello listed, which there is also something about it that feels a lot more like an effect on a guitar than an actual orchestral uh, string. Sure. Okay. Uh, but, but ultimately the song... You know, is, is he? Does he want to die? Is it? Is it depression, disillusionment? Uh, did the girl leave him? It's all pretty much could be any one of those. But it it never it never gets anywhere. It kind of has that acousticy beginning, and then it picks up in that second half. But then it then it doesn't go anywhere else. Like I felt, yeah, unfinished is the word that I I wrote down. Yeah. What's your score on this one? This is a five. Oh, and interesting. Jazz. This is a two for me. Yeah, this is my deuce as well. Um, real quick, just I would echo everything both of you have said. I would also say, you know, with with context, Derek Wibley in the, uh, sometime in the mid 2010s, I, I think he uh, he had some terrible. I don't know if it was a kidney failure, if it was an overdose on alcohol. I, I'm not sure what happened, but he he was like hospitalized, had some sort of like a, a something related to a stroke, um, and then had to give up alcohol and you know whatever drugs they were doing recreationally but alcohol was the main thing and and with that context i can look back at something like angels with dirty faces are slipping away and go oh this is about someone who is realizing they're an alcoholic and it and it it, and the thoughts incomplete and it doesn't go anywhere because it's not supposed to go anywhere at the same time I shouldn't have to have that real world context to appreciate it, but it does do something for me. That's why it's not my number one. Um, yeah. wh- sorry, that's why it's not my lowest on the list, but, but I, it, it does feel incomplete. It, it doesn't go anywhere. And I remember as a kid, especially like 12, 13, I'm getting into the Beatles and, uh, hearing, trying to listen to this record and thinking, yeah, I like when the strings come in and then it's over that exact thought. I remember having that so many times. Yeah. All right. Um, next song is I'm not the one. 
I almost think that this the the lyrics aren't completely vague on this one. Um, and only for the the lyric of "We live and die for shit we don't need." Well, maybe it's the price of envy. That's that's the one I've got highlighted. Right. Yeah, I I do think that that kind of gives the gun away. I think this ties into that we're all to blame. Like we're we're all supporting the the, the like military industrial complex. That's the capitalism, the consumer culture, Mass capitalism. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the lyrics. You know, welcome to obsession. It makes the world go round. We're made up by the people we surround, so we live and die for shit we don't need. Um. Everyone fades in ways we don't see. Nothing's going to change. We're going down in flames. Don't wait for me because I won't just sit by while you just bleed myself and others dry. Don't wait for me to be there in the end when you don't see the truth. You just pretend that, you know, that 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 is very vague. But it is this like, oh, we have opened a vacuum and we're, we're circling the drain and culture's not going anywhere new. I, I do think it gets it taps into like they're trying to say something you know it's that it's it's that immediate post-iraq invasion time frame and i I think everybody was trying to process it in different ways and i think people were figuring out how on the nose should we be how vague should we be are we going to date the song if we make too many references to bush are we going to you know um Sorry to insert myself in that one. This is six for no, me. <laughs> no, that's absolutely yeah. that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, I agree. And like I say, we all we have never talked about their they the experience that that named this record is like they had seen war in in the Congo. Yes, uh, and so they had been in a hotel that was that was drawing fire. So I mean, they they have some legitimacy, but in this one, and I can say in this one, besides that new metal insert towards you know with about a minute left which i didn't i didn't i mean i thought jonathan davis was going to start singing at some point <laughs> other than that i really like i i like that, that it's got a bit of an angry political edge to it and at the at the most of the time it stays very you know southern california hard heavy punk rock uh, other than that one that one whip the bridge, the bridge, it, it, it is, I will agree, it's maybe the most interesting part of the thing with the, just take the rest of, just take the best of me. But it is, yeah, corn is a great reference bit. Yeah. You didn't finish your thought there of the Congo, I'm sorry. The, the Congo thing. No, I, this was directed towards Wayne. So so the name of the album is called Chuck, and it's it's Chuck Peltier? Is that how you yeah, say some, it? That, that, yeah, it, was, it clearly was French. Yeah, so so this was a guy that helped them escape some of the 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 fire that that was going on there in the Congo. So they named the album after him. There you go. Yeah, justifiably so. Yeah, absolutely. It's a cool tribute. Yeah. Uh, did I get scores? I don't think I got scores. Wayne, what was your score on this one? Uh, nine. Okay. Oh, and, wild. Okay. And then Chaz. Six for me. And this is my seven. All right. Welcome to Hell's next. Shortest song on the record, not counting the intro at 157. Um, and I gave it I gave it um extra points on the scores um because I love when they actually shout when they sing the word shout. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. I'm giving them extra points just for that. Oh man. Um I I like the melody on the chorus of this one. This is a three for me. Okay. All right. Wayne? Uh, well, and I can only say that I'm only familiar with 
Glenn Danzig area era misfits. And this, at least in the verse part, has that same cadence. And also the title Welcome to Hell is something very, very misfits. That's something that they would do, whether it's, you know, you know, demon whore or or whatever they're, you know, hate breeders. They had all these great, very violent, evil kind of names. And so the title is very misfits like, and that, and the verse has got that, that, that cadence with uh, it's, there's just something in the rhythm that's very misfits like. And then of course, when they get to the pre-chorus chorus, it speeds up into something that maybe that's further down the line after I stop listening to them or it's completely different, but this had a very, in, in many parts had a very misfits vibe to it. And um, I'm a sucker for that. The bass did, did get a, get a little bit of, get a little bit of a, spot to shine on this one too yes yep i do like that there's a moment after the first chorus where it just goes like drum and bass and you get to really hear the bass and i do like that yeah i wonder how many people have sung this song as their last day in an office <laughs> oh no one will be with you in the end the end the end um, the end yeah anyways just for the record i didn't know that it existed for my <laughs> 18 months ago. Um, all right. Uh, scores. Chaz, what do you got? Three for me. All right. Wayne? I gave it an eight. All right. Oh, all right. I love yeah. the Misfits. And um, I gave it a nine, so maybe I like the Misfits too. Wow. Okay. Okay. I, I'm putting our scores in, by the way, and that nine, eight, and three averages out to 6.66666. <laughs> That's oh perfect. So, what in the hell? We did what we were supposed to, <laughs> gentlemen. <laughs> that is fantastic. That is yeah. fantastic. I didn't that's, even... a, that's great. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. Um, next song is Pieces. Rarely do I say, Wayne, on this on this podcast um, that the the suits figured out the the correct single to release. Um, I think they got it right on this one. Oh, yeah. Well, this is that pre this is the requisite softer second single. Um, I can say I don't have a lot of notes. I will say they stay in their lane. But I got to remark that Derek Wibley is no Bernie Toppin. Mm. No, no, for sure. Uh, this was second single from the record. It did well in Canada. Uh, number five on their top 30 up there. Wow. Yeah. Uh, wow. Really? Number 14 on the modern rock tracks here in, in the U.S. So. Wow. Yeah. That's, um. this is. It's the same feeling I got when I learned years after the fact that this ain't a scene. It's an arms race by by Fallout Boy was a number one pop song in the states. It, it feels wrong, but it, it's it's correct. But looking back, I'm like, how was how was that true? This yeah. was number five in Canada. Wow, that's wild. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all that. I. I think this is a really good single. I think the melodies are great. I think that it's, you know, it, it falls into that vague lyrical trap we keep talking about. Um, and at the same time, it feels really emotive. Um, and it does feel like whatever Derek is trying to get across here. And I, I think maybe, you know, blurred by the addiction of the time that keeps poking its head up on this record. This is, 
as close to being vulnerable as I feel like we get on the record. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I would, I would say that's correct. Um, so yeah, this is my top, top song. Uh, Wayne, wow. what do you got? I gave it a 10. All right. And then Chaz. I gave this one a five. Okay. Was it because of the airplay? Um, I think it's because being that it was the single, I would skip it a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the, the heavy real estate for me is just taken up by other songs. It's not a bad song by any means. Um, and I think between this and some say the two singles, uh, over there, I always went with some say, because I don't know, it just made me feel a little bit angrier and I, I didn't sink into the more, I want to feel my feelings. I want to yeah. feel my pensiveness. I didn't, I didn't sink into that for years after I really got into this record. And by then I think I'd moved on to other things that maybe handled it a little bit, bit more, um, adeptly. Yeah. So yeah, I've got, I've got a little bit more nostalgia for some say, but I, I like pieces. Okay. All right. Um, next song is there's no solution. And um, I feel like I've heard this song before now. Was it on Hybrid Theory? The only <laughs> thing, the only thing this is missing is a Mike Shinoda rap. Yeah. Wow. I, I feel like it sounds like it, it sounds like 2004 to me. It does. It does sound like 2004 for sure. <laughs> I. It reminds me of like somehow it reminds me of Meteora by Linkin Park. And it reminds me of like abandoned pools at the exact same time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can totally see that. All right. Um, vague lyrics again. Um, do we know what is killing him? I see right through what's killing you. What 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 exactly is it? I told you it's disillusionment. That's all it can okay. be. Is that, is that all it is? <laughs> is that is that what we need to go back to? Anytime I don't know what the lyrics mean, it's just disillusionment. I will, and I think the chorus in this is even like it, it's the lyric is "There's no solution. Give me truth to my conviction. Is my own confusion reality or fiction? Am I out of my mind? I, I like okay. I do think <laughs> it's probably about him. I, again, I think it's in the throes of an addiction. He's going, am I gaslighting myself? Do I actually have a problem? Am I empty? Am I a bad person? Am I actually wrecking my life and people's around me? I don't know. I don't know if that's real or not, but it's it's just never spelled out anywhere. I like the melodies on this one, but I, I hear you with every complaint. Yeah, this is my six. Wayne, your score? Oh, I loved hybrid theory. I gave it a seven. Chaz, <laughs> <laughs> um, your score? It's an eight. So yeah, we're we're all right around the same world. Yeah. All right. Eighty eight is the next song. Yes. And I'm just gonna kick this over to Chaz. Ah, uh, man, this is my this is thirteen for me. This is my favorite song on the record. Okay. I I love eighty eight. I I love. I mean, look, I, I think that there's plenty of valid critique to go around. Um, back to the the lyrical vagueness, but I, I think that this is the place where they're trying 
the most and I hear the most amount of influences in this song. I think it's kind of like the, you know, the, the apotheosis of everything else they've tried on the record. There's slow moments, there's strings, there's Mellotron, there's weird chord progressions, there's heavy sections, but I don't know. I, I, I didn't like this one younger and the older I get, I just like it more and more and more and more. I wish I could pin it down to why, but I think it's just that I feel like they took the most risk on this one. Yeah. Yeah. So I did something bad. I try not to do this and Wayne knows exactly where I'm going. <laughs> I know exactly. Whenever you say I, I, I don't like to do this, but I, Oh no. I went to song meetings.com <laughs> to find, find out if what exactly this, this was about. Um, so a couple comments and let's hear what you guys have to say. So everybody was asking, what is, what's the significance of 88? So one, oh, it's the tempo. One said it's because it's running in circles. When you draw the number eight, it goes in a continuous track. And then another one says, no, it's, it's simply put 88 beats per minute. <laughs> yeah. It's the tempo of the song. Yeah. All right. So, um, Wayne, you want to know how bad my adult ADD was kicking in at one point while I was listening to this record? Counting it? Um, no. Once I saw the name of the title was 88, I immediately went and listened to the nail song, 88 Lines About 34 Women. <laughs> that's, a, that's a much better song. Um, I, I'm with this song for, what is it, about two minutes? And then they flip, the, like metal, metal they flip the metal switch. And yeah. Yep. And yep. once again, the, the drummer hangs in better than the guitar player, but the, and I want to give them points for effort, but they it, it just starts to derail at that point because they're I they they don't have the chops to go all the way. Like they I, I love I love the effort, but I, I but it's it only highlights how good they when they when they do what they do. That first two minutes, I mean, and this is a pop punk song you only got 30 more seconds to go i just i don't know why they couldn't hang in there and finish out it, it really didn't have to go there i i do i will say as much as i i i, I hear you and i i echo that on the on the metal breakdown section when it releases and it's back into the weird kind of uh <laughs> like willy wonka and the chocolate factory bit at the end where the the, the i'm losing control i'm losing control i'm losing control it makes me there's more release of tension there after that. And I don't, but I also don't know that either of those sections are necessary. I think if you wrote this song today, it would just be the first two minutes and 18 seconds. Yeah. Wayne, I do have a punk fact that I found out from l listening to the nails. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. So the, they're, they're the band's roadie, Eric Boucher went on to become the lead singer of what band? Why is that? Yeah, the name sounds familiar. He might also be known as Jello Biafra. Ah, the Dead Kennedys. Dead, dead Kennedys. Wow. Chaz, do you even know um, 88 lines about 44 women? I don't. I know who the Dead Kennedys are. I don't I don't know the song you're referencing, no. Oh, you should check it out. It's classic 80s new wave. It's classic cool. 80s. It's so good. All right. It, um Thank you guys for 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 doing this with me. I'm actually I'm having so much fun here, even when the opinions are different. It's just fun. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. This is great. Um. Oh, I did need to mention this is the longest song on the record at four minutes forty seconds. Yeah. Did, 
Do you find it odd that they would choose this song to elongate the song? Because like all the other songs are like three minutes. That's kind of their wheelhouse. Um, you know, I, I think it's especially keep in mind, Newt's was not on this record. It was a single of its own, and it's since I guess yeah. you would say like posthumously been added on Spotify. Um and it was on some versions of the record outside the state. So okay, for that all intent, that makes sense. Then. Yeah. So this was the record closer. And and for that reason, I think that they were trying to drag it out and find, you know, a cool show closer that they can, you know, send everybody home with. We've done every cool thing. And then we well, show closer, quote unquote, and then they come back and do the encore with Into Deep and Fat Lip or whatever. But yeah. that, that that's always what I took it as. Yeah. All right. Um, scores. Wayne, what do you got? This was three. All right. And Chaz, you already mentioned this was 13. Yeah. Yeah. I'm polar opposite on this one. I faults and all. All right. So just to be um, a jerk, I, I, I said that this was my eight. Okay. Okay. There's some diversity there. (laughs) Do do you want to hear the funny thing? So I was oh eighty. Oh, I'm an idiot. Okay. Look at what the average is now. It's the average is now an eight. I I see that. (laughs) And it's so your score and the average eight, eight, uh, but I did, I, I did not do that to be glib for welcome to hell. That just happened. That's fine. Oh, I know that. Yeah, that, that was too cool. That, that is too cool. All right. Uh, let's finish this up. Newt's is the last Newt's. song. Um, and you mentioned that this got added after the fact. Um, Fantastic four though. Oh man. Yeah. 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 I know. I, you know, I, I'm a 10 year old watching a superhero movie yeah. and, this comes on during a scene where <laughs> the human torch is snowboarding Chris Evans snowboarding down this mountain. And I got to tell you that is, it's so badass when you're young yeah. and you're just like, what is this song? It makes me feel like I could take on the world. Um, this is a t- this is a 10 for me. I-, I think it falls into kind of the same camp as a lot of the record, but I think the strengths that it plays to are the same ones as Open Your Eyes and No Reason Yeah, for me. Um, melody is driving, call and response stuff. I mean, the drums are just pushing the thing forward. I always feel like I'm on the edge of my seat with this one. Like, all right, where are we going, guys? We're just always like, we're just moving. It's moving from the first second. Totally. I like the frenetic energy of this one. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I think I wanted the whole record to be. This would have been why I bought the record. Yeah. Wayne, what do you got on this one? Yeah, this, I, I, the same thing. This is when they, they stick to what they know. They absolutely kill this. There's this cool dynamic change before that. No apologies part. Um, It's heavy, but it's, but it's punk heavy and it's, it's bad relationship and it's weird title. I just, it has everything that I would expect from some 41. All right. Um, so this is my twelve, Wayne. Also my twelve. And then Chaz. This is uh this is ten for me. I you know, looking at these scores, I may have scored things a bit differently, but that that's the beauty of scoring them before we had this conversation. Yep. 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 Um, and if we were to do this episode a month from now, I bet our scores would be different again. Yeah. The averages are interesting to me. So we all average somewhere with open your eyes around the top newts up next and then no reason at the top. Yep. And then at the very bottom is the bitter end and slipping away. 
Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is where I say, did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? Um, I think we covered it all. (laughs) I think we did. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very thorough guys. Thank you for taking the dive into this record. I know this has been a long conversation, but I, I, I like getting to talk about music like this. I this it is how I as like as long as the Jake Wesley Rogers comes. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. We still have seven songs to go if this was Tusk. <laughs> right, right. I you know, I love talking about music like this. I like I don't get asked to do stuff like this a lot. And this is uh, things I love. I, I try to like critically when I can. Um sure. I this I honestly I'd love to do this and talk about Star Wars with you guys at some point. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um oh Let's. Uh, this is where I we we determine what the top five is by our scores. So you already mentioned uh, the the top three. So rounding out the top five, we had pieces at nine point three three average score, and then um, with an average score of eight was eighty eight. Eighty eight. Yeah. So that's our top five. That feels right. That feels yeah. that feels that feels correct. And uh, man, Wayne, I think you you make a really good point that. When I look at the songs here that we all agree, like like our top three, Open Your Eyes, Newts, No Reason, there's a thing going on there. There's a really like, there's a cool musical pulse yeah. that feels specific to the record and specific to them at the time. The, it, it's what you'd expect from Sum 41, but it feels like it's its own thing. And then the everything else, especially anywhere from like our three to seven range is all just stuff that feels like it could be any other band. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, this was a lot of fun, Chad. <laughs> this was a blast. I love this, guys. Yeah. yeah. Rem- remind our listeners where they can find all the happenings of you. Uh, you can follow me on all social media at Chaz Cardigan. One Z in Chaz Cardigan like you've got in your closet. And yeah, I'm everywhere. TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Instagram's the main one. Okay. And then I'm on TikTok every couple of days. I'll, I'll post something ridiculous and make a fool of myself there for people. Perfect. Yeah. Plenty <laughs> of, you know, figuring out what we're doing next year, what kind of music is coming for you next year. And well, I guess I think this is coming out in January. So by the time you're hearing this, there will be stuff coming. Yes. But I'm also on a little bit of a break, uh, enjoying winter in Maine by the time that everyone's hearing this. Oh, fun. But, but there'll be plenty know. happening. Good. All right. Last question. So this is how we got connected with you. So um, who do I who do you know that I don't know that should come on our podcast to talk about one of their favorite records? I think an artist named R. Lamar, his name is uh, his name is Reggie, but his artist name is the letter R and then L-U-M and then the letter R, R. Lamar. Oh, um, okay. It's like alternative R&B, wicked creative, wicked creative, great singer, classically trained guitar player. Um, we have been friends for years. He's a Nashville guy. Uh from florida originally actually bradenton where where i've also okay. got family okay um and home he's a, i think he, the pirates yeah, he's a very intellectual writer and the way he thinks about music is that too and he's a great conversationalist whatever he picks i think you guys will have a great time with it i i would almost bet money he's gonna pick a record by the national um i'm down for that <laughs> love the national love the oh, national yeah, yeah. Uh, if you listen to the uh, Taylor Swift record, I have both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
course, uh, Aaron, uh, is it Aaron? De- Aaron Desner, Aaron Desi, Desi baby, Aaron Desner. I always want to put an extra R in his name, and I know that that's wrong. So So here's the question. Because Aaron Desner and Justin Vernon are all over those two albums, are they technically Big Red Machine Records? Ooh, deep questions. Um, Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Anyways, I, I love them. Uh, we, we, they're great. Yeah. We've gushed yeah. on Taylor Swift on this, on this podcast before. If, if you had asked me a couple days ago to do this podcast, I probably would have picked Evermore because it's just come out the week that we're recording yeah. this. And what a shock. I mean, what a good shock to the system musically. It sounds like we, we're going to need to have you back on later this, uh, this year. Please. I love this. I'd love to come back if you ever want me, but you should make a, you should make an episode with our Lamar. Okay, um, put in the good word for us, and I'll reach out to his manager. Let's do you got, uh, no manager right now. No manager. No, ma- okay. no manager right now. Yeah, pr- good. Probably good to reach out through Instagram okay. or yeah, something like that. But I'll, I'll tell him I had a blast. Perfect. All right. Awesome. Uh, let's wrap this up. As a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. Of course, we're on the socials as well. You can follow me on the Facebook page for Records Revisited Podcast or on Twitter at Podcast Records. Wayne is on the Instagram. Records Revisited Podcast. Yeah, it's super easy. And you can, of course, find us on all the Apple podcast cast box stitcher spotify google podcast all that stuff you can find all of our all of our podcasts there and of course please go subscribe and rate or review us so thanks for listening please go support the arts i would tell you to go to live show but you know the drill on that so find your favorite musicians support them on any of their live streams and Chaz, you're still doing a couple of those live streams right yeah, every week I'll, I'll I'll do a few on TikTok, a few on Instagram. Yes, perfect. Go 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 check out a a Chaz show. Uh, definitely buy a T shirt of the band and buy a record. And uh, I would say you know visit a record store if it's safe in your area and you mask up and you do all the protocols. You know the drill. Be safe out there. We are records revisited and we are out. out. out.